Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. But it really comes back to what am I really good at? And is this the right timing for that? Pre-interview, we were talking about how luck, timing, and skill kind of is a recipe, right? So if you're not doing that as a developer, you should. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and action shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. All right. Hey there. Let's get down to business. Welcome to episode 36 of Suncast. As you just heard, I'm your host, Nico Johnson. And today, you get to hang out with me and one of Suncast's first guests. I took a week off last week. As I was on the road, I mentioned a lot of times that we were down in Miami at the Solar Plaza event, but we are back in the saddle today, bringing you another episode that I think will bring you massive value. Well, way back in 2015, when Suncast had just begun, I had Edgar Arvizu, at the time VP of uh, Development at S-Power, on the show. That was episode four. Really, if you haven't listened to that episode, put it in your queue. It's chock full of amazing information on project development and the world of project finance. And Edgar's an amazing guy. He's sought after in the industry as one of the preeminent experts on solar project development and finance. And he's often one of the featured speakers at industry conferences. So it was last week during the Solar Plaza Unlocking Solar Capital LATAM event in Miami, where I got to sit down with my good buddy live. It's a bit of a shorter episode than usual. And it doesn't follow my usual format, but we do get into some topics like what markets Edgar is spending most of his time in these days, advice that he'd give to himself if he could go back in time eight years before he got on the solar coaster, key takeaways from mentors in his career, things that developers should put on their stop doing list, and what areas of solar development that Edgar sees around the corner have him most excited. Hey, as always, I am grateful for you. Your encouragement and patronage of Suncast is why I show up every week. I've gotten some really amazing feedback lately on ways that you'd like to see the show improve, guests you want to see on Suncast, and I have some amazing interviews coming, not just from Solar Plaza, but from some series that I'm working on. But I can't wait for you to hear these new interviews. I'd also like to hear your feedback on that last episode, the book review of Scaling Up. I'm considering doing more solo episodes, not only book reviews, but topics that you're interested in. I'm interested to hear from you regarding what specific topics or ideas you'd like to explore, or more specifically, what problem do you need solved? So if you have someone or something that you'd like to see on Suncast, you could shoot me an email, nico at mysuncast.com, Leave me a LinkedIn message, or even just pop over to the website, as I've said a bunch before, www.mysuncast.com. As you scroll down, you'll see a pop-up that says, leave me a voicemail, right there from your smartphone. It's really, really simple. This episode is brought to you 
in collaboration with SolRates.com, S-O-L-R-A-T-E-S. SolRates helps solar installers provide instant online financing quotes for commercial and industrial customers with projects over $100,000 in value and up. If you'd like an invitation code to join the SolRates platform and see just how easy it is to generate a quote for your commercial industrial customers, reach out to me directly. SolRates is currently only offered for U.S.-based projects, but this is an amazing platform unlike anything I've seen presently in commercial finance for solar. All right. Thanks again for taking the time to be here. Enjoy this week's episode of Suncast with my good friend, Edgar Arvisu. All right. We're here live at Solar Plaza Unlocking Solar Capital in Miami, Florida, my former home and uh, the home of this and many other conferences about Latin America. I have the pleasure today of being graced by the presence of none other than Edgar Arvizu, my dear friend. Thanks for being here, bud. Hi, Nico. Hey, thanks for having me again. Pleasure to be here. Man, episode four seems like ages ago. In fact, <laughs> it, we had this hiatus of what, 10 months or so uh, of, of no episodes, which I've apologized to my listeners for. but. Your episode was one of the favorites early on, and uh, so I just wanted to, you know, welcome you back and thank you. We're going to do this redux, uh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes here. I just want to hear what's happening in your world, man. You've got such an exciting career, so we'll jump right in by focusing on what I think was probably prescient from, our, from, the, from the previous conversation we had. If you haven't listened, by the way, to episode four with Edgar Arvizu, I highly recommend it. Take some time. Go back. It's worth the time. Edgar dispels a lot of myths about development. He talks a lot about how investment really happens in the industry. And he makes one particularly uh, precognitious uh, comment about Mexico, and that being, so we had discussed well ahead of the first auctions, mind you, that you thought Mexico might be something on the order of a three gigawatt market. Uh, I'd love to know, how do you feel about your prediction these days? <laughs> oh, that's great to go. Before answering that, I have to commend you. Uh, you know, Suncast has come a very long way and you've gotten really good at doing these interviews and I've enjoyed listening to the continuing episodes. So thanks for doing what you do. Uh, talking about Mexico, my gosh, I mean, you know, I, I was at La Cor yesterday talking about Chile and Colombia and a few other uh, countries and I made the comment of, imagine you were in a coma and you wake up and you see Chile. And I, I tra translate that to Mexico to imagine you were in a coma, you wake up today. I don't think people imagine that the market would be where it is today. Yeah. I mean, the players that you have there, the names that you have there. I mean, the, I have to commend the country and how fast they did the energy reform. It's been the fastest we've ever seen. That's amazing. Uh, it still has a way to go, uh, but you know, we did kind of estimate around three gigawatts and that's where the market is today. And you know, I've always said there's no way to, to predict the future than created by yourself. So there's a lobby group in Mexico now yeah. that's very strong and stable. You know, and I you're referring to Asolmex, right? Asolmex, yeah. exactly. So you know, that is great. So those like, you know, foundations are great for even more growth. And then the other thing that's been interesting is like the energy ministry and all the other institutions there have really gone and done like missions. They've gone to California, they've gone to Germany, they've gone yeah. to Chile. They're really learning from their peers. So they're getting more and more comfortable with solar. Uh, I will say there are still like financing challenges for all those projects to get done. Uh, but you know, our industry is resilient. It insists, it persists. So it'll continue to kind of continue to grow. So 
Amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, you're wearing a new hat. Uh, you don't change hats very often. That's and, right. And, uh, you know, so apart from a, a new company, where, where are you spending your time these days? Yeah, so I've been very focused. So, I mean, I'll, I'll just mention real quick, you know, I, I did sw switch to a, a different company. It's called Synetics. I used to be with S Power last time we talked. Um, and Synetics really, you know, part of Synetics, the reason. Synetics, that's S U N E T I C S, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Synetics. Yeah, Some no, people say Synetics. Some yeah, people say S O N N E D I X for those are uninitiated. And we're majority owned by investors advised by JP Morgan Asset Management. So we're wholly owned by an infrastructure fund. And the fund is an open ended fund. And the reason that got me excited is because it really takes me to a different part of solar. You know, we a lot of us, you know, have been in the industry 10, eight years, and industries go through a phase, right? You go through your inception, birth phase, your growth expansion phase, and in your stable phase, right? A lot of us worked in sort of the expansion phase. So you work in development, you work in construction, you work in financing and all that. But if you think down the road, right? Because you always have to think, I mean, the solar business, the way I kind of define it is, you're always, you're running a business that needs to look as to what is around the corner. Right. So I think of that also in my career and I think, well, what's what's around the corner? So being part of a global solar IPP that's part of a open ended fund that looks to own and operate solar assets for the long term. I really wanted to put on that hat said now I am a owner and operator of these assets, because if you think of what comes next, you know, think of what happened in Chile. Think of what's going to happen in Mexico. Think of what happened in California. We build the gigawatts. What do you do yeah. after you build the gigawatts? Well, you own and operate, and you get really good at being an energy company, an operator of sort of photovoltaic utility scale. So anyway, based on that, I joined Synetics. I've been helping them get into the U.S. market um, mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. So uh, this year is really a priority for us to get into the market, and we are very focused on it. In addition to we're in nine other countries, so we're very focused on other countries, but uh, my mission right now is to get us into the U.S. market. How interesting. You had been predominantly focused in, in with regard to your development as you got into solar on Latin America. I would love to know because this is a, this is the inverse now, and, and I find myself curiously uh, focusing on a little more than Latin America as well. What changes in your business, uh, in your in, in your personal style, in your development uh, uh, thought process, have you undergone or have you noticed as you moved from really focused on Latin America to just trying to explode the U.S.? Yeah, that, that's actually a really good question. I'm glad you asked it because it does. It does create a mental shift, right? Uh, uh, you have to, you know, doing business in Latin America and even within Latin America, I mean, you have very different regions. So if you're doing business in Chile versus doing business in, you know, Colombia or Mexico, you really have to kind of be a chameleon and make sure you can assimilate to not only the market economics, but how to do business in those countries. So when I pivoted over here, while well, we're still doing Chile, we're still doing Latin America, you know, as I put a priority on the U.S. to, to expand our growth, uh, you know, you do have to do business in the U.S. and it's different. The game in the U.S. is a you know, high caliber game. Some of the best players in the world operate in that country. It's a huge market opportunity, particularly after the ITC. You kind of had a, sh a, a flight to quality, if you will. Uh, so a lot of capital started to look at the U.S. So right now we're in a state where there's an oversupply of capital and a shortage of projects. And that, that's creating a lot of friction and a lot of dynamics. And, you know, working in that in the U.S. really is a different cultural kind of business 
uh, way you know, of, of doing projects. And a lot of it is driven by two things. You have to be really good at engineering two things. You engineer technically and you engineer financially. If you do those two things in the US, you could have a recipe for success, but you have to have a team and be able to optimize every single project out of the gate. Yeah, here's a question that I know you think about a lot. Uh, it's, it's interesting in this world of, uh, of remote or disaggregated teams, folks might say or suggest that you can build a, uh, a remote or a uh, virtual team, right? Yeah, right. Um, Sonetics is based in Miami. Correct. Uh, you know, at the risk of perhaps stepping on, uh, on Pablo and Andreas's toes, is it possible for a global IPP or even a, a nimble developer to truly develop a remote team? And, and I'll actually ask a, a, a follow-on question that, that I think you'll address. Are there, perhaps in the United States, I know this is true in, other, in Latin America, are there perhaps pockets of human capital where you can build teams better? And I ask that mostly thinking about if I wanted to go addressing this issue of oversupply of capital and be uh, econ entrepreneurial and, and, and capitalistic and say, well, I'm going to develop projects which are in need. There's an undersupply. I'm going to try to balance. Can I start anywhere? Or are there pockets of human capital I would want to tap into? Or can I develop a truly remote team, you know, someone who's been at, uh, at InterEnergy or, uh, and they're in Illinois. Yeah, yeah. No, that, uh, really good question, Nico. Uh, I think there's two, two parts to that question. The first part is, you know, remote teams. Um, it's something that I've been following actually as a trend, uh, just because I'm, I'm in Silicon Valley and a lot of people, I mean, we, we see the trends, you know, there's not only like the mobile, uh, uh, you know, employees that go in two or three times in the office and then work from home the rest, and then others that travel a lot. But my gosh, I mean, we have seen the workforce just go from being just going into the office nine to five to really traveling everywhere. I mean, you, you think of, you know, any of your family members that are coming out of college, every job they take is they have to travel somewhere. So I constantly see all my friends, everyone traveling. So we we are in this phenomena of a global workforce where we're doing global business, everyone has to go everywhere. In addition to that, if you're in solar, solar is really global. You know, you either have to go see suppliers in That's Asia, great. you know, go to Latin America and all that. But you have to be cognizant of how to really run high efficient teams with, you know, the DNA and the culture that you want it to have if they're remote. Mm. So, you know, I've read books on how to manage uh, re remote teams and you really have to be kind of have a concerted effort to see how to do that. So how to set up, you know, video conference calls, how to set up reporting, how to, you know, do, uh, you know, either monthly or weekly kind of interactions. They help inject sort of the DNA that you want in the team. Uh, so the thing that, you know, you have to think about is what is your business model? Look forward to how you see success. What is the criteria to success? Work backwards and say, does this remote workforce fit into that? of what I want. You know, given Synetics is a global solar IPP and we're not doing tons of local development and we're mostly coming in later stage and owning and operating the asset, we can do it. You know, yeah. so we do asset management out of London. Uh, you know, we do a lot of development in country if we need to do local development. So we are able to do it. We have a big office in Japan. You know, we have offices in Madrid, offices in France, offices in Italy. Uh, so if you're cognizant of those two effects, one, that you are running, know 
and need to run a remote workforce? And two, does this fit with your criteria of success in your niche? And if the answer is yes, you can do it, but you really have to be aware of those two things. I'm going to put you on the spot because I really want people to get a lot out of this episode. And I know that you've thought about this a lot and uh, I expect that you've got a good answer. I am, a, you know, I'm a developer with two guys. Maybe I'm a good land guy and uh, I've got a friend who's a, who's really well connected. And my end game is to sell to a Sunetics, a number yeah. of projects. Yeah. And I need to scale my team. I'm realizing I'm bumping up on the limits of my personal team right now and I need to add two more people. In that order, what are the next two people I hire? What are the, uh, the next two people you hire in terms of function? Mm -hmm. Ooh, gosh, uh, tough question without knowing a few more sure. answers to other questions. Yeah, but sure. typically, them. if you're a developer, if your job is to develop projects all the way to NTP, mm -hmm. right? Which is where folks like you like to invest exactly. in. Exactly. I think that the key, key thing is you need to have someone in your team that has been following the regulations. Mm -hmm. You know, so if yeah. let's pick the U.S. as an example. It's it could be to the market that you're interested yeah, in, right? It's if you're in New York, they're following NYSERDA and they exactly. understand, if they, they understand the, the intricacies of yeah. Connecticut and New Jersey yeah. and how Pennsylvania is coming back online. Exactly. Okay. So you need to make sure that role is filled. Once that role is filled... Now, can that role, is that role, sorry, is that role a, a hybrid role? Is that something that's a full-time job for somebody? Yeah, it's a full-time job. Okay. Typically, you want a developer that has that skill set. A developer that has a that skill set. A developer that okay. has that skill set. So if you don't have that in your team already, you need to add that. Someone that's continually monitoring the market, uh, you know, has uh, ins into some of these regulatory bodies so they can have an insight, again, looking around the corner. So those are the people that are looking for you around the corner. Yeah. And then the second... Once you get that vision, once you get that visibility, the second key skill that you need is how to power market, how to originate. How do you go to a client and sell power from the power plants that you're trying to develop? Those two key roles really are very fundamental to the three stools, right? Those yeah. two, the third one being the finance. Yeah. And again, all those go back into and feed into if you're citing a project all the way from the beginning and you've got the right engineering mindset, yeah. like you're looking at the soil, you're mm -hmm. looking at how you're going to build it, you're looking yeah. at how you're going to interconnect it. These are capacity. And then the other two legs help you understand where the market is and how you're going to sell the power out of it ultimately in the most optimized way. Right. Do you see developers today thinking about wholesale power or... Uh, or private contracts in in the U.S. We're talking in the U.S., which is where yeah. you've been focused. Well, no, it's funny because uh, I was talking about it yesterday in La Cor. Like uh, you know, I told the people, "Imagine you wake up from a coma and you see Chile." I mean, Chile is an unsubsidized solar market that has done, let's say, a gig almost in merchant solar. Yeah, unbelievable. That is, um, it doesn't happen in the U.S. Doesn't happen anywhere else. Five it's, years ago, completely unfathomable. Exactly, it's unbelievable. And in the U.S., you've seen people kind of experiment with that. You see some hybrid deals and win that you know, is going merchant. You don't yet see that in the U.S. What you are seeing is like maybe it has a red contract. It has some sort of revenue component to it and then a little bit of a merchant component. But you have to think about it. Uh, if, if we're still talking about the U.S., because you do that less in Mexico and do it less in Chile and other places. But your project life, you know, presumably is more than 30 years. Yeah. You know, maybe 30 at least. But before, we used to look at a 25-year life, and now the market has evolved. You have a big merchant tail in the back a lot of times. So mostly what we're seeing people right now is in, in the U.S., a PERPA contract, which is avoided cost, 
uh, still chasing the corporate kind of PPAs. Those are shorter tenor, but they have some basis risk. And then people, there's still, there's like five gigawatts procurement going on in the U.S. on the utility side. So wow. big market. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, well, speaking of these big numbers, you know, I remember that in my intro to your episode, again, episode four, I said that you'd closed well over uh, 100 megawatts of projects. I'm curious, what's that number today? <laughs> uh, we're at about 1.2 gigawatts. So wow. we're growing Amazing. Growing slowly, yeah. Amazing, yeah. Um, yeah, the interesting thing is, you know, being at Synetics is we get a we get a dashboard or a view, a global view of what's going on in energy markets globally. You know, what's going on in Japan, what's going on in, you know, Thailand, South Africa, France, Italy. And the other interesting part is we're seeing the second life of solar because we yeah. buy operating plants as well. Right. And so you get a vantage point of, well, what do we do after we built all solar? You know, and that vantage point is, is fascinating because you can come in, repower situations, recontract, uh, refinance, you know, all those really kind of cool things that you do of someone that is running a long-term, you know, solar IPP, yeah. not just a development company that's in the market and gets out. Yeah. You know? Hey, uh, Andreas Mustad or Pablo Pulido, this mess, this is to you and you will be on this show. I will ask you uh, until you are. And this will be the topic of our conversation is talk to me about repowering and buying assets. Because I really, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the Synetics guys are a special breed. They're yeah. all, you know, there are lots of former AES guys who really understand the power That's markets. Right. That's right. And I said yesterday at LACCOR, uh, somebody asked me about um, what do I think it takes to be an, an IPP in the solar space. And I said, it takes thinking about being an IPP in the power space, not exactly. in the solar space. You, <laughs> like, are, you have you to understand how the freaking energy, energy IPP. Yeah. You, you happen to bet on solar, but you're an energy IPP. Yeah. Once you put that mentality and that hat on, you will, you will start on the road to success. Yeah, it's unbelievable the success I've seen with Synetics. Yep. Well, listen, uh, you know, you've been at this for, I guess, like eight, nine years now yeah. uh, and, and a remarkably successful career. But if you could go back uh, what was it, 2009 that you got in the industry? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what one thing would you do differently? Yeah, you know, one, I guess from a career standpoint, I would say I would, I would get more mentors uh, in experts in the solar space. Uh -huh. I've, I've had mentors and, and you know, career coaches uh, on and off and, you know, being in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of that going on there. So yeah. I've always had that and I've been very mindful about managing my career. I'm always... I always tell people I'm the CEO of my career, yeah. so I need to make sure I manage it as a CEO I think you know, and, and have it be a successful company. So have yeah. me, my career be a successful yes. company, right? But in the solar space, you know, I got in and I just rolled up my sleeves and I wanted to get stuff done. But having, you know, having had someone that could be there as a sounding board that understands the energy industry, uh, and is, uh, you know, a champion of renewable energy, I think that would have been helpful, would have been a good foundation to have. So I really recommend someone that just have someone there as a sounding board how as you, you go how, through how your battles. How would you have found that person? Yeah, you know, at the time I was so new to the industry, I switched from... Uh, That's the problem, yeah, right? It was, it's like... It was, I was new to the industry, it's yeah. really hard to find someone. Uh, but knowing what you know now, how would... Yeah, the would good thing is that today you have, I mean, you're a solar veteran, I'm a solar yeah. veteran, there are a lot of people out there that have the experience, yeah. right? But in addition to that, beyond just solar people, I think of myself as not just a solar person. I'm in the energy industry, yeah, right? So right. I need to understand how the grid works, how, you know, spin and reserves function, yeah. you know, how the grid needs to have reliability and quality and yeah. all that stuff. So that's why I think of myself. And there's a lot of people there that have been in the energy industry for decades and decades, and they have so much to add, and they want to yeah. give back, right? I'll say, if I could give that same advice, yeah. 
the single most important mentor in my career is a guy named David Flory. Hmm. And he came out of none other than AES. Ah, okay. Right? And, um, and, and so I think my answer would almost uh, ubiquitously be find someone who's been yeah. in AES and yeah. ask them if you can do something for them. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't matter yep. where they work now. It yep. doesn't matter if they're still doing oil and gas or yep. hydro for AES. But really, think about... Uh, and I, I actually gave this advice to another friend and a, fan, and a, uh, a podcast listener, uh, Gabe Goffman, who's here in Miami, because mm. he was over at, uh, at another solar company. Yeah. And, uh, and he reached out and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to go. And yeah. I said, dude, go to a non-solar asset holder. Yep. And that's yep. where he's at now. And yep. he's, learning, he's learning so much about the power industry exactly. that, that, that the solar-specific IPP did not teach him. Exactly. And, uh, and I think that is so powerful for his yeah. career. He's 27 years old. I wish I got into this industry at 27. Oh, I yeah. wish that I had known that No, that at is his age. perfect timing, and, yeah. and you gave him great advice. Because solar, you can learn pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I will say, just more on the development side, is um, stop and check every once in a while. Stop and smell the roses, see yeah. where the industry is, see where you are in the industry. Mm. Uh, you know, I, do you still wanna be on the Greenfield development side? Do you wanna be on the EPC side? You know, where is your skill set? Where yeah. can you set yourself up for success? Yep. Don't just stay complacent and, you know, kind of block and tackle. Really stop and say, this is my place. You know, is this my team? Am I playing for, you know, the Warriors, the Cavaliers, am I paying the right position, right? I love it. Yeah, yeah I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Well, along that line, is there a mentor uh, that who has given you a piece of advice that has, you know, accelerated or changed your career or really stuck with you that you that you repeat to others as you mentor them? Not really. Uh, I've really, so it's funny, uh, my mentors have always been sort of, I, I dive deep into quotes, books, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I have had, you know, uh, historically, I think a lot of my early bosses were shaped a lot of how I operate today. Wow. Uh, you know, I kicked off my career in uh, Silicon Valley doing banking, yep. and actually over a six-year period in banking, I had eight bosses, and two of them were very instrumental in shaping how I do business and how I deal with people. And one of the things I learned is, look, uh, people, you know, there's, there's things you could do, and I think there's a Maya Angelou quote about it. Uh, mm. It's, people will forget how you treat them. People will forget about, you know, what you do, how successful you are, but people won't forget how you make them feel, right? Yeah. So you always want to treat people with respect. You always want to be listening. You always, you know, that's kind of the position. I always say you are always a student, never the teacher. Yeah. And that's kind of my philosophy. So a lot of those things really have kind of mentored myself through the career. Yeah. yeah. You quoted that almost verbatim, by the way. That's <laughs> remarkable. Oh, I just good, looked good. it up. Yeah, <laughs> Great. That's, that's one of the things I love about your brain is just this, this vault of information. <laughs> what books are you reading that you like? I mean, is there anything you've read lately? That's oh, been, gosh, man. I, what are you giving away? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I have a list of books that I need to read. Uh, so I've been I've been told by a lot of my friends that I should read more fiction because mm -hmm. uh, I mostly yes. read like development, you know, self-development yeah, books yeah, or business yeah. books. Uh, but honestly, right now I'm reading it's a pretty thick book. It's it's an ultra running book. Of course. Uh, so it's on how to run, you know, long distances and. Uh, it actually, you know, there's a lot of takeaways for life. You know, one of the things I tell people uh, that I always pick up from, from kind of doing that sport is that, you know, when, you know, when things are looking good, just remember that things will get bad. And when things are bad, remember that things will get good. I love it. Right? So yeah. that kind of sets you in a mentality of, well, 
there's, there's a solar coaster. Just remember, when things are good, they're going to get bad. When things are bad, they're going to get good. <laughs> That's right. And it's never more true than the solar coaster. That's right. Well, I know that you, know, you love uh, reading and, uh, and you're getting into fiction, so I'll give you the recommendation that oh, Alejo, Alejo, our dear friend, uh, gave in his, uh, in his episode, uh, which was episode 29. Yeah. He gave me this book when I was at his house in Mexico. It is a tome. I mean, this thing is like 700 pages. It's oh, called gosh. The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by an author named Michael Chabon. Okay. C-H-A-B-O-N. So if you, uh, if you haven't read it, then you don't have to go buy it. I'm going to bring it with me when I'm in uh, San Francisco for Intersolar. And okay. I'll, I'll Excellent. leave it with you, and then you can pass it along to fantastic. others. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading it now, and, and it's fantastic. Yeah, um, i gotta got to do a little bit more of that. Yeah, I've been historically just reading a lot of self-help books and business books and all that, so I'm trying to get that. But I'm getting through. I got... Uh, nu- nutrition for endurance athletes, and then mm. an ultra running book. So I gotta get, gotta finish those first. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm putting together a, a, a Suncast reading list because we've got so many books. That's a great idea. Now, yeah. That is a great idea. So I'm gonna put a whole like a separate page on on Suncast oh, that fantastic. says you know, what if what if people recommended and yeah. what have I read. I, I may even. I mean, I just actually this last episode, if you haven't heard it, was uh, a book review on scaling up. Oh wow! Which okay. which uh, our friend Jose Sambrano recommended. Okay. And so I went through it. And just gave a detailed explanation of like how my assessment of the book and okay. um, and the lessons and, and takeaways and oh, stuff fantastic. like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do more of that. Before I let you go, you have great insight in working with developers. What do you see entrepreneurs and developers consistently doing that should be on their stop doing list? <laughs> that is a that is a great question. Well, you know, there as a developer, you have to be an optimist, right? Uh, so we have to be cognizant the industries go through you know what i mentioned earlier your three phases right growth expansion and then stable state Um, look at your business look at the business that you want to build and think about where in the markets you're looking at where the market is and do you have you know the right team in the right seat to drive through those markets uh, I think a lot of developers get stuck with this is what's worked for us in the past, so this is what's going to work for us again going forward. So we're seeing actually a lot of reboots, let's call it, so people that have left old companies and are like starting new new development companies. And I've, I've met with these people, and it's like, well, what are you doing? Are you just doing a reboot? You know, is this like another Spider-Man movie? Like exactly. Forth, forth? Uh, but really, people are thinking forward. People are taking solar, you know, to the next level. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, this concept of dispatchable solar somewhat dispatchable, not totally dispatchable, but, uh, you know, energy storage is still decreasing in cost, so it's getting there. So I think there will be a a cross-section there at some point. But it really comes back to what am I really good at? And is this the right timing for that? I mean, we were talking about how luck, timing, and skill kind of is a recipe, right? So if you do that as a developer, you should. You should. And we see a lot of developers just... You know, going out, getting land, and doing another QF contract. Well, <laughs> Purpa right now in the U.S. is, is QF tough. being qualified facility. It's made popular by the North Carolina market. Exactly. And then Chile and then Mexico and, you know, Japan and everywhere else. Uh, you know, think about, again, think about what's around the corner. Right. Well, in, to that end, uh, and, I, and you have a good history of prognostication, What's around the corner? What's got you excited? We'll finish, <laughs> we'll finish on that. What are you working on? What's got you excited? Yeah, you know, actually, it, it's funny. You asked right at the time when I'm, I gave myself that task uh, last Friday. So I'm in the midst of thinking about what is really tickles my belly, right? 
and I'm looking at various things. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, the PV plus storage is something that's been talked about for, for a while, but I'm trying to think beyond that too. I'm trying to think about second life for solar. Is there are great opportunities there in all these markets. I mean, California has seven gigawatts operating. Uh, North Carolina has gigawatts operating. Uh, Chile has two gigawatts operating. Uh, Mexico will soon have lots of gigawatts operating. Europe has tons of gigawatts operating. So I'm thinking technology, I'm thinking business model, and what's the combination, what's the intersect there, what's the combination? Because you're still seeing a lot of capital flying and, and going towards these asset classes. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, how do we satisfy yeah. all this capital? Yeah. And that's how I'm approaching it, because I'm seeing tons of capital wants to go in, but it doesn't find a home. So my thought is, let's step back and see how I can create a home yeah. for a lot of these investors that want to have the stable capital. Yeah. Don't have the answer yet, but I started that project on Friday, so check in with me soon. <laughs> I'm going to dig deeper because I know that one of the things that Sunetics does is invest in future, future solutions. That's right. The, that's the right. famous title of my dear friend, Sean O'Day. <laughs> that's right. Shout out to Sean, <laughs> Shout out to Sean. the, the yeah. director of future solutions for Sunetics. So, I mean, I really want to know, uh, I mean, you mentioned yesterday at the LACCOR conference, yeah. there are specific things that you think uh, solar can be good for yep. that are that are traditional power market yep. mechanics yep. Uh, what do you I mean can you dig it can you give me a little bit more insight there yeah you're starting to see I mean pretty much every team uh, now has a PV plus storage team yeah. or a standalone storage stationary mm -hmm. storage team uh, and you are seeing policies pretty much in eight markets in the US you're, you're seeing now people really believing in the renewable space in Latin America so they're actually starting to rewrite the rule book, which is really what's necessary in, in Latin America. I mean, rewriting the rule book takes a long time and it takes a lot of convincing. Uh, so that's going to take a while. But if we took, if we look at these developed markets, I mean, there are, there is space for, I mean, you see it all over the place, uh, in capacity markets, frequency reg markets, all these ancillary services that you can do. I mean, California has been huge. I mean, you've seen companies like, you know, you, the small companies, AMS and STEM and all these, I mean, hit it out of the park and getting funding and funding all over the place. And there's still a lot of growth. There's still a lot of hiring going on in energy storage. Uh, is it a massive market like solar has become? It's not there yet. But if you have the skill set, and I will say it's a lot more complicated, it's a lot more reading, it's a lot more understanding of rules. Right. So it is some, let's call it, quote unquote, brain damage that you have to go through. <laughs> but if you really want to be an expert, you you got to build that in-house. Yeah. you got to build that wow. in-house. Yeah. Wow. Well, brother, I'm always humbled by the amount of knowledge that you bring to the table. I admire uh, your your tenacity and your ability to always be what seems like ahead of the curve so congratulations on the success that you have had and then i know you will have at sunetics yeah. give my regards to andreas pablo yeah and Sean. Uh, absolutely and, and let me just say thank you nico for what you do you uh you, you. your preparation is uncanny uh and it's always great to spend time with you and what you're doing for the industry is, is phenomenal so thank you for what you do My doing pleasure, a great brother. job i love yeah. it it's uh yeah it's just, if i can whatever i can do to get spend time with people like you <laughs> great nico right, always buddy. a pleasure man all right man have fun me too i want to thank solar plaza once again for having us here at their unlocking solar capital lat am conference in miami thank you for the space the time and the freedom to do what we do that's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, 
I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.